Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Right, okay, hold those uh, thoughts and uh, carry them with you into our uh, Vision Sunday day. Welcome again. Thank you so much for getting up super early on a Sunday morning and getting yourselves uh, into church. I get up at half past five normally on a Sunday morning, so this is lunchtime for me, so I'm just getting into my best in the middle of the day. But for those of you who've made a massive effort to be out of bed, generally the younger you are, the more effort you've made, uh, well done. Thank you. We appreciate it. The, the day's going to move towards the end, just like everything that starts does, generally. So there's no surprises there. But the end is you and I thinking together about what we will covenant, what we will commit, what we will engage with through the following 12 months. So there's a sense in which today only makes sense if, if out of it there is a level of clarity for each of us as to how we are going to play our part. And so in the, um, in the pew, that there are some response cards like this. You're obviously scattered around, so uh, there won't be enough in each pew right now for each of you, but there are enough in the building for all of us, we hope. And they look like this, okay? Now, we're going to, we're going to fill these in at the end of the day. Uh, but you might start filling it in during the day, or you might use it to write down some things that occur to you. If God speaks to you at five past ten this morning, it might be that at 25 to three this afternoon you've forgotten all about it, unless you've written it down. So it's kind of a heads up that that's where uh, we are going. Can I have my um, computer on, please, uh, Jonah? That would be absolutely brilliant. thought there was something wrong, and I couldn't work it out taken me seven minutes to work it out. That's it. Brilliant. Ah, great. Perfect. So one of these, all right? And um, as we think about our commitment, our response through the day, there are, I think, two guiding, well, there are probably more, but two guiding principles that I'd like us all to think about uh, because I believe that they are values for us as a church, not just random principles, but things that we kind of already embody, we already know to be true, but I want to kind of draw them out and articulate them. Uh, the first uh, of these principles, number one, I've entitled rhythm. Giving our little regularly changes everything. Given our, giving our little regularly changes everything. I am not asking, uh, and we are not asking one another today for a big commitment. If we were to ask one another for a big commitment today, there are two things that are likely to happen. Number one, most of us, in the honesty of our hearts, would go, I don't feel I can make that big commitment today. I'm not sure I'm in. The second thing that would happen is that those of us who are super enthusiastic and we jump in before we've even thought about it would go, yeah, I'm in for the big commitment, but in two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, that level of commitment would have waned and it wouldn't be sustainable. 
So we're not asking for a big commitment today. We're asking each one of us to recognize the impact that our little things create. And we know that that's true, don't we? Who can think of a story in the Bible that Jesus told, that Jesus acted out, that helps us? The feeding of the 5,000. How many loaves were there? Five. And how many fish? So it was a very little lunch. It was hopelessly inadequate, what that boy had to offer. It was a little thing. And this is the biggest danger we face, that we think our little things are too little to even bother with. I won't even show Jesus my loaves and fish because they're not going to be any use anyway. Impossible kind of level of food to feed that number of people. The woman who anointed Jesus was remembered for doing what? But what does it say at the end? It says, it says that it remembered, she is remembered for doing what she could. She's not remembered for doing what she couldn't do. She's not remembered for doing something that was super beyond her. She was simply remembered for doing what she could. Now, are you able to do what you can? So what we're being asked together collectively is to gather our collective little things Knowing that when we put those in the hands of Jesus, something extraordinary begins to happen. Hashtag Vision Sunday, if you're tweeting, by the way. Forgot to mention that. Little things in Jesus' hands make a massive difference. But notice that word, regularly. The principle of doing something regularly unlocks the potential in all of our lives. There is more than one story of the feeding of the 5,000. Whether it's the same story or a a different version, which it probably is, of something similar, the next day, if that little boy offered his loaves and fish, what would have happened? The, The same thing would have happened again. And built into your life and mine is a rhythm of day and night, of days and weeks, of weeks and months, of months of years, of springtime, summer, autumn and winter, you and I have been created to do things on a regular basis. That's why we pray, dear God, give us today our daily bread. Don't give me now what I need for the rest of my life. Give me just what I need for today because we go one day, one season, one moment at a time. You doing a little thing regularly will have a bigger impact on this community and for God's kingdom than I think we can ever realize. But beware. The enemy whispers it's all too little. It's all a load of nothing. It'll never make that much difference. But it's wrong. You've heard me talk about um, Monday mornings for uh, Kerry and I. Monday mornings, um, well, every morning we rush around like we've lost our heads, but Monday morning in particular, we want to get out in time on Monday morning, and and it won't work for you necessarily because of your rhythm, but the principle's there, on a Monday morning so that we can get to church, if we're lucky in the traffic, by about five to nine which means that we can go to the Portuguese cafe for about 25 minutes before team worship starts here at half past nine. Now, the reason we do that is that we go there on that Monday morning to answer questions that we ask of one another every week. 
questions about the things that we've enjoyed, things that we're finding hard, uh, perhaps things that we need to talk about that we haven't talked about between us. Now, 25 minutes in a whole week is too little. It's nothing. It's meaningless. It won't make any difference, will it? Absolutely. That 25 minutes regularly makes the world of difference to the quality of our relationship. Little regularly changes everything. Super important. Second value that informs our response is reliance. I know that we're reliant on God. Absolutely. That goes without saying. But our reliance on God is to be taught to rely on one another. Our success lies in the many, not the few. We are not a super pastor church for obvious reasons. We are not a superhero church, are we? You know, when there are a few superhero Christians that seem to be able to do everything perfectly and the rest of us just trail behind feeling significantly inadequate and knowing that we could never do what's expected of us. We could flip into being that kind of church and we must resist it at every possible level because we are a super people church. Do I get a cheer for that? Where it's in the power of the many, not the few, that our kingdom impact and our kingdom success lies. Let me give you two very quick examples that sum up what I uh, have been saying. One historic and one very present. Historically, we knew as a church that we needed to do something about our buildings. And we knew we didn't have enough money to do something about our buildings. And when we first brought a serious proposal to the church meeting to uh, update, to add, to change our buildings, the first estimate was 450,000 and everyone said, we'll never do it. We ended up building that for 1.2 million, which got paid off a few years ago. And one of the significant reasons that that happened is that once we started talking about it, people said, I'm going to offer my loaves and fish to that. I'm going to give something regularly, something little, but I'm going to do it regularly. So by the time we came to put the spade in the ground, some of us had been giving something little regularly, which by then we were hardly missing. By then it had become something significant. It changed everything. Historic example. A very recent example is this. A few weeks ago, I said to you guys, look, hey, we're having real trouble trying to get enough mentors for our young people. It's, a, it's like an uphill battle to get enough people to journey uh, with our young people. We really need some help. Last week, or it might have been the week before, I think it was last week, all rolls into one, uh, eight of you came and sat around with, with Sarah to think about being trained, help supported to be mentors for our young people. That made an absolute world of difference. Instead of pulling the boat up the beach, dragging it on the sand, it was like in that particular area of our church that the tide came in. And something that was really difficult suddenly became super easy because our success lies not in the few, but in the many. Question, do you strongly agree with the things I've just said? Slightly agree or just agree? Disagree or strongly disagree? Go. You need to talk about it. Talk to the person in your head and then talk to the person next to you. It's cold in here, isn't it? Right, okay, let's, um, let's gather those thoughts, hold those thoughts. So all of that, in a way, is uh, setting the ground, the, the, the way that I, we are thinking about today. We want to unlock the power of the many. We want to unlock the power of the loaves and fish 
that are in all of our hands. We want to unlock the reality of us simply doing what we can in the kingdom of God. The whole of the day, having laid those foundations, gets summed up in what I'm about to say in the next minute or so. After which, you could go home and you will have encapsulated the day. But if you do, don't come back. Joke. The one thing is this. There are three things for our church to burst into greater life. Like three chemicals necessary to cause an explosion. Like three ingredients, if there are, necessary for a cake. Like three components that make up an engine. Or three conditions that make your plants grow. And here they are. Number one is this, celebration. We need a gathering of all of us to celebrate, to bring us together, to hear God's word, to worship him, to be united together around his kingdom purpose for our lives. That's the first component, the first ingredient. The second one is this, community. Unless we take what we have here and turn it into life-giving communities beyond this gathering, we will never burst into life in the way that God has for us. And the final one picks up what we've just been saying about calling. It will take each one of us to respond to that calling of God on our lives, to open our lunchbox of loaves and fish, to do what we can and not lament what we can't. The key message And the whole day is summed up. When we get all three together, growth happens. When we get all three together, growth happens. If one of them fades, then the growth stops. The key word, as we said, right at the beginning of Launch the Lifeboats is, is what? Is and. We need all three. We need celebration and community and calling in order for the life that God has for us to flourish. So before we hit coffee, I just want to say a few things about celebration. Celebration, when we all gather together, typically on a Sunday, uh, to celebrate what God's doing in our lives, to listen to his word and to worship him uh, together. Now, if we're honest, some of our greatest moments as a church have been during celebration, haven't they? Some of you will have written on the board there, times within celebration. I wrote on the board over there that one of, my, uh, uh, one of the greatest moments in the last few months for me was when people from Feet for the Street and Elevenses, almost all, if not all of them, who had become Christians in the last uh, months or year or so, when they served us communion with such sense of privilege and pride. That, for me, is the kind of church that I want to be part of. Are you with me? And it happened in celebration here. And there have been many fantastic moments when we have celebrated together. We can think of uh, great Easter services. Claire was talking about Easter some moments ago. Or our Christmas services, baptisms, weddings, even funerals. And you'll understand me, can be great moments here in this place when they do what they are supposed uh, to do. Or just the bread and butter of week on week, that miracle of hearing God speak and responding to him and so on. In a sense, Sunday celebration is what we know best, 
It's what we do best, and it's what we naturally uh, return to. All of us at times, I think, have gone, wow, how cool is that? But more recently, people talk about, ah, not so many people are coming anymore. Some people are not as coming as often as they used to come. Some people perhaps are not even coming at all. Into that scenario, I want to suggest two things that I think collectively we should embrace to allow our celebration times to recapture what we intend for them to be. The first is this. We need to rediscover the power of the congregation. I'm going to say, you have the power, and you're going to go, yeah. You have the power. Good, that's it. You believe it. But you do. You have way more power than you think. Because this is a big event, and we are used to big events, typically the people who come, the audience, if you like, if you go to a theater or to the cinema, are quite passive, and it doesn't really matter who comes or who doesn't come, because the whole focus is what goes on at the front. You don't come out of the cinema and go, I didn't enjoy that very much, there weren't very many people there. In fact, you go, there weren't very many people there, so I sat on the sofas in the Empire Cinema when I only bought an ordinary ticket. That's what you say, don't you? Don't you? You see, that's a different experience. The danger is we can take that experience and bring it into this. If I don't come, it doesn't matter. The worship band will still play. There'll still be an offering. Simon will have a crack at something. They'll all go home. If I'm not there, but it doesn't work like that. We are a body We're a family. We are connected. And when you give someone an invitation and someone says, do you know what? I'm busy. I'm not coming. What does your heart do? It sinks. You have an incredible power just by your presence here. You have encouraged everybody else here this morning simply by turning up. Are you with me? And the reason that's true, because if you were the only one in here, you'd be pretty miserable. I've been conned. I've been diddled you would be even more encouraged if there had been more people here this morning. You with me? Wouldn't you, honestly? If there weren't some gaps, you would have thought, ah, we're really going for this. This is fantastic. Now, that's not necessarily a reflection on those who can and cannot be here, but it is a reality that we need to embrace and be aware of. So, if you are not able to be in celebration. Make sure that the people around you know that you're not going to be there because that says to them and it says to yourself, my presence matters. Like a family meal, if you send out the invitations and Jesus told a story and not many people came back, the host feels a bit hacked off. And I'm not the host. We are the hosts. It's not about whether someone leading from the front feels good or bad about the experience, but it is about taking hold of the fact that together we can really make celebration different by our presence and by our posture. Before, just one more thing about presence. If someone is not here, chase them in a lovely way. We missed you. What does that do? It reminds you that it matters. It reminds them that it matters. And one of the things that we've noticed is that it becomes super more important today because there was a time when if you didn't come to church, there was nothing else for you to do. Okay, so your presence makes a difference. Second thing, why you, you, we together have the power is in our posture. In our posture. 
And depending on the posture with which we come, our attitude can be a game changer. If we come with a passive posture, a nonchalant posture, I'm just here for the ride posture or feed me posture, we drain the life out of our gathering. If we come with excitement and enthusiasm, if we're energized in meeting and welcoming people, if we're enthusiastic in our worship, if we're expectant in our listening, the whole thing changes. This is not a gimmick. It's the way God's created us to be connected in community. I went to a church um, last year where I went to three services in the same church and the same sermon was preached in all three services and the preacher is brilliant which is one of the reasons why I was there. But the sermon, even though it was in some senses identical, felt totally different, much more alive in some services and in the others. Everything else remained the same, except what I could perceive as the posture of the congregation. If you all sit like this, it creates an atmosphere... If you sit very differently, it creates an atmosphere. And we know how powerful this is in life. What will the reporter say before the kickoff of the big football match? It's a great atmosphere in here. Nothing's happened yet. The atmosphere is created by the posture of our presence. And that's true with anything. If you walk into a room and there's just been an argument, what happens? You know, don't you? Honestly, this is not, we're not making this up. We can't put it in a test tube and test it, but you know what I'm talking about is true. Because you go, oh, oh, there's an atmosphere in here. If you walked into a room and a funeral was just about to begin, but you couldn't see the particulars, of the, you would know something about a weight and a sadness was in that room. Are you with me? Because the people bring it with them. We have a tremendous power as to how celebration feels. And many of you say to me, and it rarely does a week or two weeks go by, I wish we were more freer in our worship. That's what people say. Well, there's an answer to that. And you are the answer to that. And we can see how that works out. Sometimes we'll have exactly the same set of songs, exactly the same set of musicians. And depending on, so Easter Sunday, for example, was a high note because we came with a renewed level of expectation. We'd been up early in the morning. We'd been out uh, on the river all well to see the sun that didn't rise and all that. And, and there was a sense of family and togetherness. And it made a difference to the dynamic. How much more is that true in a spiritual sense when we come trusting in God? Okay. I've said enough about that. It's down to you, basically. We can do anything we want at the front, but it's all down to you. No, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, And the second issue, uh, second thing I want to say, kind of balances that. I'm not saying that what happens from the front isn't important. What I am saying is that we together can significantly change the way celebration feels. The second one is this. We need to reject the power of consumerism. The market is driven by consumers. We will give consumers what they want. Consumerism is getting what I want. Discipleship is giving away what I have. You can have that quote for free. Simon Harris, whatever the date is, 16th of September 2018. Consumerism is getting what I want, but discipleship is giving away what I have. If we are serious about being a discipling culture then we have to help others 
to learn and grow and develop where we have learned, grown and developed ourselves. That means letting people have a go. That means accepting in the short, even medium term, that the quality drops. This is super important. G.K. Chesterton, if a job is worth doing, it's worth doing... No, 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 he didn't say that. He said it's worth doing badly. Because unless you let the job be done badly, that person can never grow to do it well. You with me? How many of you started driving by bouncing down the road? But you don't bounce down the road now. But unless you were allowed to bounce down the road, you never would have learned to drive. You with me? So if a job, if we value something... We have to allow in a discipling, in a developing culture, for it to be done badly. Not always, there needs to be a journey, but that's where it needs to start. We need to give stuff away. The prize for that is that disciples are being made and people are growing in their gifts and we are multiplying who we are and what we do. Consumer megachurch puts its best preacher and its best worship leader on every Sunday because it wants to attract people because the quality is a very high value. I'm not suggesting that quality shouldn't be a high value, but there is a higher value still, and that's us developing other people. And when we do that, God honors it. This summer, when some of our own people who are learning to preach preached, it was a brilliant moment in the life of our church, wasn't it? Numerous people have talked to me about the way God spoke to them through those moments. It was a joy for me to work with them, perhaps beforehand, and to journey that with them all in the background, lots of that going on to support people. And we need to embrace this principle of developing people, which means we need to create opportunities. People say to me, do you know that when you're not preaching, Simon, people don't come? I hear that reasonably often. We shouldn't tolerate that attitude. That is not a discipling, developing, development attitude. That is a, I want it to be the very best all the time because I want it to be for me. We're not going to be that kind of church, are we? God's not called us to be that kind of church. So we need to create opportunities. Giving away to others what we have, pouring things into them. So we're going to create some space for uh, fledgling preachers to preach a little bit more often. Uh, we're going to create a new role called the service host. Uh, and what that will do is it will take a bit of pressure off the worship team so that they can give opportunity for people to have a go at leading worship. Uh, and we just want to create more opportunity. For more people to grow in the things that God has placed within them. If you turn up at Burlington at any given time and measure it just by what's happening in that moment on a consumer measure, you might go, oh, they don't care much about preaching. That guy looked like he'd never done it before. Well, maybe because he never has. That woman looks like she's never done it before. Well, maybe because she never has. And that's a good thing. Consumers, and this is why it's super risky, because consumers won't like it. Consumers will go, well, I'm going to go to the church where it's the best preacher and the best worship every Sunday because I want it to be about me. Hey, I want this place to be about us. And it's a different measure. It's a different value. It's super exciting, but it is quite risky. It is quite risky because people take a lot on face value, don't they? It is 10.25 where Claire is supposed to be there bringing the kids back in and she's not. 
And I've finished what I'm going to say, and we're going to stand and sing together and go for coffee. She's lost. (laughs) After all I've said about community and collaboration, he who wins, wins, hey? Winner takes it all. Only joking. Let's be quiet just for a moment before we sing. Shall we stand? Father, I sense you are speaking to us. You are speaking to me. We want to be this kind of church because everyone needs the compassion of Jesus. Because everyone needs a saviour. Because everyone needs God to move mountains in their lives. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures. I give myself. We give ourselves to you. Let's sing together.